Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that because of Jesus Christ, the grave has lost its grip. Its grip on us. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint what I have to say and that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that you would speak in clarity and grace and truth and power. I ask that you would go way beyond anything that I could ever begin to communicate by myself. And that you're going to speak to our hearts in a way that's going to be life-changing for many. Hear our prayer. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jack and Sally were a young couple. And they were in love. How many of you have ever been in love? Guys, this is a great time to raise your hand, okay? Jack and Sally were really in love. But to be honest, Jack was just a little bit nervous. Because in one week, he's getting married and he has a problem that he is afraid is going to turn off his bride-to-be Sally after they get married. And so he confides with his dad. Jack says, Dad, I'm really concerned. As you know, I have the worst smelling feet in the world when I get up in the morning. Dad says, I know, they're bad. And Jack says, they've gotten worse since I moved away. It's horrible. And Jack's dad gives some fatherly advice. Jack's dad says, okay, I'll tell you what you need to do. Before you go to bed at night, wash your feet really well. Put some baby powder on them. Put some socks on. When you go to sleep and wake up in the morning, get up a little early before Sally awakens. Run to the bathroom very quietly. And take off your socks. Wash your feet really well. Get back into bed, she'll never know. So, in the meantime, Sally's having a conversation with her mom. And mom, she says, I am very excited about marrying Jack, but I'm also really nervous. You know, I have a horrible problem with morning breath. And mom says, yeah, it's bad. And when your mom says it's bad, you know it's bad. And Sally says, it's gotten even worse since I've been away at college. And I'm afraid the morning that we uh, get up on our honeymoon, Jack's going to smell my breath and it's going to be a total turn off. Mom says, okay, here's what you ought to do, Sally. First thing in the morning, when you get up, Brush your teeth really well. Then gargle with some mouthwash. And then slip back into bed. Say, good morning. And Jack will think that your breath smells great. And so they did this. The wedding went off without a hitch. Wonderful honeymoon. 
They've been married for six months. Then one morning about six o'clock, Jack wakes up and he noticed a sock is missing off of his foot. So he begins to try to find that sock. He can't find it. He finally, in his panic, dives underneath the cover trying to find that sock, and he accidentally wakes up Sally. Sally gets right in his face and says, What are you doing, Jack? Jack takes one whiff of her breath, says, Oh, no, you swallowed my sock. Here's the question of the day. Do you pass the smell test? Here in the book of 2 Corinthians, we find Paul having a tough time leading the church at Corinth. They think he's fickled, maybe even a bit unstable, an unimpressive leader, and not much of a preacher. So here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we see the great apostle Paul going through a struggle. The church at Corinth was having significant problems. Paul thinks he's got some of those problems corrected. But now there are more problems. Have you ever noticed in life there always seem to be problems? You're trying to get your budget in order. You finally think you've got it fixed. But then the car breaks down. Or the roof starts leaking and you've got to replace all of the shingles or the refrigerator stops running and you're in trouble again. Dads, you just knew that one day you wanted to be a father. You wanted to be a dad. You even watched a couple of Hallmark movies with your wife and you kind of liked them. You thought, I can do this. And then you had kids, it's like, this is almost impossible. There's always issues, there's always struggles, there's always problems. Maybe you got a job, and you think, man, I think I've got an amazing job. But then you get a new boss, and the new boss is not like the old boss, and now you hate your job. And you look for another job, and you finally get another job, and you don't like that job any better. Because life is filled with problems. Paul is one of the greatest followers of Jesus Christ who ever lived. But he still had to deal with a lot of problems. People all over the world hated Paul. He's been beaten with rods and beaten with whips. He's been hit with these huge rocks, stoned, and left for dead. He's in and out and in and out of prison. He's been shipwrecked three times. And he started all of these churches throughout the Roman world, and they all got problems, especially the one here in Corinth. On top of that, Paul's got something he calls a a thorn in the flesh. He says it's like a messenger from Satan. And it was so bad that Paul... Asked God three times to take it away, and God did not. And Paul is struggling. He says even here in the book of 2 Corinthians that I despaired even of life itself. We don't know exactly what Paul meant by that, but we do know this. 
Paul did not have an easy life. Bible teacher Warren Wiersbe tells us that, humanly speaking, it looked like the end of a battle with Satan as the victor, except for one thing. Paul had a conquering faith. Listen, sometimes life's going to hit you hard. Sometimes you're going to get knocked down. Sometimes you're going to want to feel like quitting. Sometimes you're going to want to give up. Sometimes the check's not going to come in the mail. Sometimes you don't get a good report from the doctor. Sometimes life doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out, and you're going to want to feel like quitting. Let me encourage you. Stay in there with your God. He is not done with you yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not done with me yet. You say, you serve the God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than all you can ask or think or even imagine. Philippians 1, 6 says, he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. In the 23rd Psalm, David said, Lo, though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because thou, my God, thou art with me. Amen? Paul gets this, and he speaks to this in verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Isn't that a great statement? No matter what you're going through, no matter what the issue, no matter how great the struggle, it makes no difference what the problem, you are on the winning side if you're with Jesus Christ. Let's break this verse down a little into some more bite-sized chunks. Paul says, but thanks be to God. Here's the question. How thankful are you when circumstances don't go your way, when the check doesn't come in the mail, when people don't think you're amazing. Can you still give thanks to God because our God is worthy of our thanksgiving and praise? Is he not? Paul says in the middle of the issue, the struggle, the problem, the need, I am thanking my God. Thanks be to God, he says, who always leads us. Through the thick and the thin, the easy and the hard, when the circumstances make sense, and when they absolutely do not make sense, He is leading us. He is guiding us. He is empowering us to live in victory in His name. He always leads us. Not just these amazing apostles like a Paul and a Peter and a James and a John. Not just the, the Deborahs and the Marys and all these amazing Bible characters. He wants to lead you into His direction and His purpose and His plan for your life. He always leads us, Paul says, in triumph. Listen, you're not just a survivor. By the grace of God, the Bible declares you to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm more than a conqueror. And he does this, how? Through Christ. Not because you're amazing. Not because you have an intellect out of this world. Not because you're the most beautiful person on the planet. You're not. Not because you're the most talented person in Hardin County, you're probably not that either, but because Jesus Christ lives inside of you. 
Listen, when you leave this building this morning, you don't just leave as Mary or Joe or or Billy or Sue. You leave this place as a child of the living God. You leave this place as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. You leave this place in the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing him to use you to impact this world with his love. Not only does God lead us to triumph in Christ, verse 14 tells us that God spreads through us everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. God has called us, you and me, okay? He's called us to be spiritual air fresheners in a world that really smells. And in case you haven't noticed, the smell isn't getting better. Your job isn't so much to complain about the smell, but to improve the smell. Here's the question. How do you smell? All right, this is a participation illustration here. Take a couple whiffs, okay? Go ahead, go ahead. Take a couple whiffs, all right? How many of you smelling good? Yeah? Repeat after me. I'm smelling good. Right? You're smelling good today, are you not? If there's ever a morning of the week when you smell good, it's on Sunday, is it not? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you took a bath or a shower in the last 24 hours or so? Probably all of you, right? And even if you only take a bath once a week, got any once a weekers in here? Don't raise your hand. Nobody want to sit by you. Even if you take a bath once a week, when do you take it? Saturday night, right? The Saturday night bath, okay? Yeah. Physically, you're smelling good. Probably put on some deodorant today, right? Yeah. Probably some of you put on some perfume, some cologne, right? You're smelling good physically. But here's the question. How are you smelling spiritually? How's your attitude this morning? Did you come into this room with an attitude of criticism and complaining? Did you come into this room ungrateful for what God has done for you? Did you come into this room thinking about impure thoughts? Did you come into this room today thinking about stuff that you shouldn't be thinking about? Or did you come into this room today thinking about God and His goodness to you? We have been called by God to be spiritual air fresheners in this world representing Christ. Verse 15 says, for we are to God the aroma of Christ. The idea here is frequently applied to the incense that was burnt in the public worship of God in the Old Testament and the sacrifices to God in general. When we serve our Lord in the power of the Spirit of God, It's like a sweet aroma to our Heavenly Father. And we give off an aroma to the world as well. Go to verse 15. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. To those who are being saved, we are the aroma of life. We are sharing Jesus with the world. 
And they are grateful for it. However, to those who reject the gospel, our message is a stench to them. Listen, some people are not going to like your Jesus sharing. Some people are not going to appreciate your Jesus living. Some people are going to get mad because they're under conviction. And when they're around you, they realize that they're not living the way that they should be living. You may not even say anything about it. But by your actions and by your attitude and by the way that you live your life, some people are not going to appreciate that simply because they know that you're a Christian. They know that you're a follower of Jesus and you live what you say that you believe. But either way. When we are proclaiming the gospel and serving Christ, our service is a sweet-smelling offering to God. And that's what matters most. Not how many people respond to our message, but how faithful we are in sharing it. You see, we don't measure our success ultimately by the number of people who respond to our message, but rather... By our obedience to Christ. So when Daniel and others of you go out knocking on doors. And you knock on 25 doors. And only 5 people are home. And those people didn't want to talk to you. You didn't fail. You're a success. Because you were obedient to Jesus Christ. In sharing the faith. Amen. When you cultivate a relationship with somebody at your work, and you've been working on it for weeks, maybe even for months, and you finally get a good opportunity to talk to them about Jesus, and they don't want to hear it, you didn't fail. You're a success because you're sharing Jesus Christ, and you're honoring His name. When you invite 50 people to church in one month, and nobody comes, you didn't fail. You're a success Because you're inviting people to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're doing what we've been commanded to do by the grace of God. Amen? Obeying God. Even when it may not look like people are responding. We cannot make anyone believe. But here's what we can do. Keep on sharing the good news. Keep on telling people about Jesus. Keep on living as a witness in this world. Keep on inviting people to come to church to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You keep on sharing Jesus Christ because we have been commanded to do that. And we're his representatives in this world. At the end of verse 16, Paul asks a question. Who is equal to such a task? The idea there is who really has the ability to fully demonstrate the life of Christ to a dying world? And who has the ability to save anyone in their own power? The answer to both of these questions is emphatically nobody. I cannot live the Christian life in my own power. Neither can you. I cannot save anybody. Neither can you. Sadly, we read in verse 17 that some people peddle the gospel of Christ for profit. They use it as a quick way to make a buck. The Greek word here for pedal means to corrupt. The idea here is a con man selling a cheap imitation of the real thing. They manipulate people in order to take advantage of them. It still happens today. But even for the many of us who are genuine and sincere, 
We can never be adequate for the gospel in our own power. We can't save anyone. As a pastor, I want to reach as many people as possible with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. That is my passion. Starting right here in our own community, in Hardin County and beyond, wherever you live, that everywhere we go, we are sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And we're serving people and we're reaching out to people. And we're looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people. And we're inviting people to come and hear the gospel because we want to, by God's grace, impact people with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. But we can't make anybody become a Christian. Oh, how I wish we could. You know what I'd do? I'd go all over Hardin County, Kentucky, playing tag. Tag, you're a Christian. Tag, you're a Christian. Tag, you're a Christian. Tag, 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 you're a Christian. 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 Tag, all of your Christians now, because I just tagged you. And then I would also give you the ability to tag other people so they could become Christians. In about three days, we could tag everybody in Hardin County, Kentucky, right? In a week's time, we could pretty much tag everybody in Kentucky because all the people that we tagged had the power and authority to tag other people. Wouldn't that be amazing? In a month's time, we could tag everybody in America, Daniel. In a year's time or less, we could virtually tag every single person in the world and cause them to become Christians. But we can't do it. God didn't set it up that way. But here's what we can do. We can share the gospel with people. And we can help those people understand what it means to know Christ. And when they receive Christ, we can disciple them and help them to share the gospel with others. And when they disciple people, they can help them share the gospel with others. And before you know it, it's exponential in changing the world with love and truth of Jesus Christ. No, you cannot save anyone. And you cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. But here's the good news. You don't have to live the Christian life in your own strength because you live it through His. You live it through the power of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Romans 8.37 says, You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, I've learned what it's like to have an abundance of things. And I've learned what it's like not to have very much at all. But I've also learned in the middle of that to be content wherever God is placing me. Then he says this, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you leave this place this morning, you don't leave in your own power. 
When you handle the situations that are going on in your life, you don't simply handle those in your own power. You handle them in the power of Jesus Christ for His glory. When you walk out of this building this morning, you're not just Mary or Joe or Jim or Sue. You're not just a dad or a mom, a husband or a wife. You're not just a young person, a teenager or a child. If you know Jesus, you're a child of the King. You go out in His power. You go out in His grace. You go out in the authority that Jesus Christ has given to share the gospel and live out their faith in the world that desperately needs to know who Jesus is. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the picture of triumph Paul refers to as a Roman triumph. When the Roman government and all its people honored a great general, as he rode in a chariot being pulled through streets, usually by two white horses. Pretty impressive. But I love what Pompey did. As he traveled through Africa celebrating one of those victories, his chariot was pulled by elephants. Now that would be impressive, would it not? Or Mark Antony's chariot was pulled by lions, by the king of beasts. Now that gets somebody's attention, right? How about Heliogopolis was pulled by tigers in announcing and celebrating the victory. The word picture that Paul was referring to here was a great honor, but it could only be bestowed on under certain conditions. Before one could win this honor, he must have been the actual commander-in-chief of all the troops in the field. The campaign must have been completely finished and the victorious troops brought home. A positive extension of the territory of the kingdom must have been gained. And then maybe once in a lifetime, a general might have that kind of triumph given to him in his honor. That's the picture in Paul's mind. And this is the God who always leads us in triumphal procession through Christ. In every circumstance, in every issue, in every challenge, we follow the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Listen, don't focus on the circumstances. Circumstances change. Don't focus on difficulties. Difficulties come and go. Put your focus on Jesus Christ. The Bible says He is the same. Yesterday and today and forever. People may change. Circumstances may change. Life may change. Jesus Christ does not change. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be followed in this world. And thank Him for the privilege of being a part of His triumph. Because Jesus Christ wins, that means you can win. The Bible says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? His victory is your victory. He wants to empower you for living every single day. You go as a child of the King with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Here's more good news. If you're with Christ, you're part of the celebration. 
we get to be his ambassadors, his representatives in this world. When you leave this building today, you leave here as an ambassador, as a representative of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs to see what it means to know God. And you allow Jesus Christ to let his life flow through you for his glory. Some people are not going to listen to you, got to be honest. Oh, how I wish they would. I'd go all over Hardin County tagging people. I go all over the world tagging people. But remember this. Even though they may not listen, God is our most important audience. Everything that we do, we do for the glory of God. When I stand up here and preach, it's for the glory of God. When Tristan and our band and our worship leaders stand up here and lead worship, we do it for the glory of God. When you go to work on Monday morning and you really don't like your job, you say, I've got to be a witness for Christ through His power, you do it for the glory of God. When you turn your other cheek because somebody is being rude to you, you do it for the glory of God. When you say, I've been dealing with issues and problems, I've got a problem with lust. I've got a problem with pornography. I've got a problem with lying or gossiping or cheating. Or whatever you do, what do you do? You give that to Jesus Christ, and the Bible says you take every thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. Why do you do it? You do it for the glory of God. When you're sharing your faith with people around you who need Jesus, who need Jesus, you share it for the glory of God. Everything we do. We do for the glory of God. For an audience of one, Father, Spirit, and the Son. I live for an audience of one. It won't matter what people say. For they won't judge me on that day when I stand before my audience of one. Who are you living for today? I encourage you. I challenge you by the power and by the grace of God. You follow the King of Kings. You live for Him. You allow Him to live His life through you for His glory. No, He doesn't promise you that life will be easy. But He does promise to be with you and to provide what you need. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Lord, today, we live for an audience of one. Yes, we want to encourage other people, absolutely. Yes, we want to share your love. But also we know, even though people may not respond, all of them positively, ultimately, we do what we do for you. Father, I pray for the dads in this room today. I pray that you would help them and encourage them to rise up in their faith and follow you as they lead their families. God, I pray for the moms in our room as they stand beside the dads. I pray for all of us, young and old, that, Lord, we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit of God as we live for an audience of one as we share your love 
and your hope with a world that desperately needs to see Jesus Christ. May you shine through us. And for the person in this room who perhaps you've never given your life to Christ, you've never turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior who died for you and rose from the dead and is coming back again. Today's your day. Give your life to Jesus. And for the person who's discouraged and you just feel like quitting, by the grace of God, today's your day as well. Rise up by the power of God, depending on Him, and say, I'm following my Lord. Maybe God's leading somebody to join this church today. Whatever God's calling you to do, say yes to Him. We pray all this, Lord God, in Jesus' all-powerful name.